So we're reading First uh, Kings 19. Yes, please. Okay. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if it by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So there you have Elijah after the great contest on Mount Carmel, where he displayed God in such a great measure that, you know, nobody had ever seen. And here he was being spiritually attacked by Jezebel with threats on his life. And then he just gives up completely. And he's like, I'm not better than my ancestors. I'm not better than my ancestors, really. <laughs> Is that what a trial will bring you to? Take my life. Take my life is the cry here. He would rather be away from the earth than be on the earth because of a threat, a demonic threat that came on his life. Next verse, please, June. Mm -hmm. Verse 5. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Wow. What really intrigues me there is the relationship he had with the hosts of heaven. That an angel will come to him and begin to feed him. So when the Lord wants you on a journey, he's like, okay, I'm going to allow angels to minister to you. He wakes up to bread on coals of fire. You know, when I read that and it says by his head, I'm wondering like, how do you wake up with coals of fire right by your head? You know, that's really fascinating to, to just imagine. And all along you were sleeping and there were these coals of fire by you. I know there's just this whole thing with Elijah and fire that keeps intriguing me. And then he's fed food, mm. water, and he's made to rest. For me, just reading that alone, I saw the importance of being well-rested and eating and drinking water. And just taking care of your physical body for the assignment God has for you. He took that time to keep resting. And then the angel woke him again, touched him and told him to eat. The journey will be too hard if you don't take care of yourself. Don't be so caught up in the journey or in the assignment that you forget to take care of yourself. 
or else it's gonna be too difficult you're gonna be stressed out you're gonna be tired you're gonna be overworked you might be sick you might hurt yourself you might lack balance you might not think straight you might be worn out your body is the machinery to accomplish God's purpose for your life so take care of it and rest I love that the angels minister to us to cater for our physical body that was what the angel was doing with Elijah as he headed to Mount Sinai next verse please and the word of the Lord came to him what are you doing here Elijah he replied I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have re rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. <laughs> okay, so what makes me laugh is that you hear him repeat this complaint. It's like a rehearsal, or maybe the writer made it become a rehearsal. But why are you here? And then he has this list he goes by. <laughs> He's like, first he starts with, I have always served you. I've been very zealous for you. He's talking about himself, all the things he has done. But this, your people, it's like him against the nation of Israel, which is really fascinating because in the Jewish tradition, they always believe that Elijah sits as their accuser against the nation. That's their belief concerning Elijah. Elijah accuses them. Like, it's so serious that even when they are circumcising their kids, they put a chair there for Elijah. There's an wow. empty chair they keep there that Elijah is witnessing that the Israelites are keeping to the covenants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you've been part of this, say that they also have a chair for Elijah because Elijah is going to come back and they leave the door open during the Seder in expectation that Elijah will come because they believe Elijah will come before the Messiah. So, yeah, Elijah is a very, very significant part of the culture because of what he represented. So it's little wonder you see here that he's really leveling accusations against the Israelites before God. He's like, your people, they have broken their agreements. You know, they have torn down your altars. Remember, in the previous chapter, in 1 Kings 18, he had fixed the altar and put the sacrifice on it before yeah. the fire came from heaven. So he was recounting that before God again, that this is what your people did. They've destroyed the altars. They've killed your prophets with the swords. I am the only prophet left. And now they are trying to kill me too. It was Jezebel sending threats on Elijah. It was Jezebel coming after his life. But you see, he was so consumed with the attack on his life that he literally was looking at the wrong thing. He was accusing the Israelites and he was so focused on them coming after his life. And notice how he left out the great things God used him to do. Mm. Look at that whole feast on Mount Carmel. He didn't talk mm. about it. He didn't even mention it. Mm. He didn't even say that, oh, I did this great thing through you. 
Oh, look at the mighty move of your spirit, how you came down in fire and consumed that altar. Oh, God, it was so funny how the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves and prophesying and jumping on their altars and doing whatever, and their God didn't show up. You know, he should have said all that and said, you know, I went and killed 450 prophets of Baal. He could have gone on. He left that whole story. <laughs> yeah. So it just shows you what fear can do to a person. Even the greatest prophet of all time forgets the great things he has done through God, forgets his encounters with God, forgets his walk with God, forgets the display of God's power when he faces a target on his life. And truly, it almost feels like he was not completely honest about what was going on because here he was. Um, attacking the Israelites. Of course, the Israelites made covenants with, with Baal worship and all of that. And invariably, the spirit behind Baal was what was after his life. But, you know, here he's just pouring down everything on the Israelites. Have you forgotten that when you did this mighty feat on Mount Carmel, Elijah, have you forgotten that all the Israelites said, the Lord, he is God. You restored God's people to him. And now, <laughs> that is not the case because of this fear, because of this attack upon your life. We go through similar things. Sometimes you expect that because you're on God's assignment, you should not be attacked. Sometimes you feel that, you know, you're doing the right thing. So why should you be facing opposition, challenges? And why should this horrible thing be said about you? Or why should this horrible thing be done against you? It may sound arrogant to even compare your challenges to Elijah, but considering his day and our day, God weighs our lives based on our times too. You know, sometimes I actually wish that God did the things he did in that day, in our day. But I believe that it's not too late. I believe that it's still possible. I believe we can still see those things happen. In my quest, in studying this and and praying, I was like, Lord, revive your works again. Revive your works again. And I found this scripture in Habakkuk 3.2. It says, oh Lord, I have heard the reports of you. Because as I'm reading this scripture, I'm like, God, these are things you did. You know, so I was like, oh God, I have heard the reports of you. In your work, oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath. Remember mercy. So I'm praying that we are a company of people who read God's word and ask him to make it alive in our day too. The things he did, the great display of his power that will cause an entire nation to turn to him. That we will be found worthy to operate with him in that way so that he can revive his works again in our midst, this midst of these years. Revive your work, oh God. So next verse, please, June. Yes. Verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Oh. Then a great and... Mm -hmm. Stop. Okay. No, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. He said because that... Go stand in front of me on the mountain, right? Mm. Does everybody have 
do you all have that in your Bibles? Yes. Okay. So I want you guys to explain to me. Because I'm guessing that if you stand in front of something or someone, you must be able to see that thing to ensure that you are rightfully in front of it, right? That's right. Otherwise, you wouldn't know you were standing in front of a dog or a cat or what. You don't know what you're standing in front of unless you see it. Thank you, Valerie. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I read that and I'm like, okay, who knows? Maybe there was something grazing out there or maybe there's a huge rock somewhere. Like, how do you gauge where is in front? He said, stand in front of me. Mm. You know, that took me aback. Yeah. So I got to see that I'm not standing in front of a dog or a cat or a goat, like, like you said, Valerie, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's amazing. So be Elijah for a moment. You know, when I read about these people, I know that they are flesh like me, they are blood like me, they are of the spirit of God, they are spirit beings like me. And I put myself in their shoes because I want their encounters and their walk with God to be my own reality as well. So I position myself. I'm like, okay, all of this is happening and God is instructing me to go stand in front of him. Mm -hmm. So he's definitely positioned somewhere on that mountain mm -hmm. that I need to see in order to stand in front of. Or else he could have just told me, go stand on that crevice on the other corner or in front of the cave or at the highest point of the mountain or all that specifics, you know, make this your reality because these are people that walk with God. And I still believe there are people that walk with God in this way. It's just that they are not on television or on Zoom or on YouTube or anything for us to actually see that happening today. But God is still the same God. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Can I just add something that stood out Good. in verse 11, yeah. where it said, you know, God is then on the mountain in the presence, in the present, quote, unquote, is what um, struck. Because when we enter into his presence, when we go to the courts of heaven, aren't we entering into his presence? Yes, exactly. That is so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That so is so good. basically, we come to him and stand before him. So he's present. Yes. Amen. Amen. Mm. That is so good, Jude. We do that by faith. Yes. Mm -hmm. So by faith, he went and stood. Yes. But in, on the in, mountain. Yeah. In Elijah's case, right? He literally mm. saw God in order to go there. In our case, we step mm -hmm. in by faith until sometimes God shows us mercy and we behold him. Mm-hmm. We actually behold him in the spirit. It is possible today that when we go before him in the courts of heaven, we can see him. Mm -hmm. I want, I like to emphasize on it because it's been taught that if you see God, you die. And I know that yeah. God has said in some scriptures that no man will see him and stuff like that. But over and over, you see him showing up and these people seeing him, as I always refer to Exodus 24 from verse 9 to 11, where a bunch of people, over 75 people, seeing God eating and drinking and beholding God. I wonder what they were drinking there. But, you know. 
with Moses. Yes, with Moses. Yes. That is so beautiful. See God tell him, okay, go and stand in, stand before me on the mount. It's like, well, he's three persons in one God. He's omnipresent. So I guess his voice can come from all over the place, right? And then it's not the voice talking. Okay, come and stand in front of me here. That voice is not just coming directly from him standing there. Maybe it is just amazing. Just amazing. Okay, come and stand in front of me. Maybe that voice is really, really there with the person standing there as God, who is truly, truly God, standing and telling his son, hey, come stand in front of me on the mountain. Okay, I'm standing in front of you on the mountain. What next? Um, June, please read. Mm -hmm. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Okay, Elijah is already before the Lord. Right? So what is happening again? Anything that is happening before the Lord, is it happening in front of Elijah as well? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. He must be feeling the wind. He must be feeling the storms shaking the, the rocks. Ooh, well, somebody did their homework, you can tell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good job, mm -hmm. Anne. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you are Elijah and you're standing before God and you have this target on your life, you're already stressed out, you're tired, you were so tired, you wanted your life taken away because you are done with this God thing that the whole Israelite is after your life. After all, they've killed all the prophets by the sword, except you being left. You're, you have all this fear and all this in your head and you're already complaining to God and there's all this chaos going on around you mm. and then God places you in before him and he's doing all these chaotic things in front of you and so the wind shows up look at the force behind the wind the power of the wind the wind is called to display itself before Elijah how the wind moves, the noise, what it carries with it. It's like a hurricane, it's like a storm. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a storm. Yeah. The storm comes and displays its strength because of how is he able to stand before that kind of storm? Wow. Who is Elijah again? <laughs> so, could it be that when you stand before God, when you stand before God, the hurricane can come and display its nature yeah. and be so chaotic and carry all the debris and break all the rocks and do crazy things split the mountain in half and you are still there secure yeah you cannot you are not you're unmovable you're movable and touch you can you see that there's a competition going on between the fear that Jezebel would carry and send against him and the fear <laughs> of you standing before a hurricane. Wow. So God is like, if you are afraid of Jezebel, if you want to counter fear, come and see that everything that is chaotic, everything that scatters, everything that shakes people and even the the rocks and the mountains, things that are immovable, stuff like that will not shake you. Yeah, unshakable. 
It will not break you. Like you stand before something that is breaking mountains and rocks. But because you are before God, it will not break you. Now tell me, who is Jezebel? Yes. To scare you. Exactly. Who is more powerful? Yes. He's trying to show you that there is something that is even louder than that that will still bow down before you, Elijah. So what else happens after the wind comes and displays itself in all its might? If you're going through something that seems like it's going to take you out, it's going to break you, like you can't take any more. I want you to, by faith, say, Father, I step into your presence and I stand before you. Practice standing before your God. Go straight there and watch that chaos bow to your God. Bow before you. So um, next, what else shows up? So wind, storm, hurricane shows up. What else shows up? Okay, so after the, the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Okay, this is the God that commands the storms, the winds, the earthquakes, all of that. So the earthquake shows up, and yet Elijah is still standing there in the face of an earthquake. Wow, but he was covered. He had a covering because the earthquake didn't even shake him, didn't move him. The wind, the earthquake. Yeah. He was before God and everything was happening in front of him. I'll be like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, uh, Papa, can I step behind you? <laughs> can it be happening in front of you while I'm behind you? All of this is taking place right in front of Elijah. I'm sure he was scared silly. Yeah, I bet that must be very scary, more than the threats of Jezebel. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to our podcast because there is a limitless supply of God's spirit that wants to reach you. And I pray you're a willing vessel to listen and also share and see that God's truth is released upon those you love to see breakthrough in the lives of those you love. And I encourage you, please grab spirit, spirit, spirit. You need this book. I don't want you to miss the detailed truths the testimonies of God's tangible presence moving in your life that you may not have seen until you are able to engage this and see them clearly outlined for you. So I encourage you, grab this book for yourself and your loved ones and take the time to read it. God bless you. God's face shine upon you and have just a beautiful day. I love you so much. Okay, have an awesome day. Bye now. (laughs)